Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of the Wall of Champions, an F1 podcast. And uh, we're a week late in the dollar short, but we're just going to crack straight into it because I'm getting ready to head to Texas tomorrow for uh, totally things that definitely aren't F1 related. Joining me in the uh, in the garage tonight, we have Greg. Good evening, Greg. Good evening. And we have Luce. Hey, Luce. Howdy. Uh, you didn't do that with the correct Texan accent. I award you no points. May God have mercy on your soul. All he right. was kneeling, though. He was kneeling. Kneeling for the flag. Yeah, I did hurt one knee. <laughs> wow, that just popped an ACL just right there. Yes. All right, let's just crack straight into it. It's, uh... Well, the championship's over, isn't it? We probably don't have much to talk about. Yeah, it's done. Um, thanks for joining us, and I uh, will catch you for Melbourne next year. Or maybe for pre-season, I don't know yet. Back when competition is is maybe hopefully resumed, uh, it was a it was the Japanese Grand Prix was a kick in the teeth for the championship. In all honesty, um, it's uh, Singapore was one thing where we have you know the race decided the turn one due to an accident, but for Sebastian to lose a significant amount of points uh, due to a spark plug a spark plug failure before the race even starts, it's uh, yeah. What can you do? And then adding that to the Singapore, the Singapore gearbox problems. And uh, Greg, does it just feel that the curse of Ferrari never winning a championship is just it's just haunting Seb, isn't it? Um, it's well, I don't know if it's haunting Seb. He's only really had one proper crack at it so far. But uh, yeah, I don't know what else there is you can say about it. Really, just the whole way, the whole way I headed home from your place. You know, speaking to my wife, all I could say was. Oh, well, so... <laughs> 2018 is going to be a thing. Yeah, there's always next year. <laughs> uh, and, Luce, I know you've already given up hope on this championship, and you've probably given up... You're probably uh, doing a Garth Tander and focused on 2021, uh, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Um, let's just focus on 2019, and uh, hopefully we get a good result. New engines, big rule changes, you know? Oh, wait, sorry. That, yeah, that's what, 2021? Yeah, yeah okay. Hopefully by then Mercedes has had enough and they've packed up and we've got a sport again. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just have a look at what happened at, uh, in Japan. And, uh, you know, it was we went there and there was all there was this toing and froing about, you know, who was going to be stronger. Was it going to be Ferrari? Was it going to be Mercedes? And uh, in qualifying, it was very much Mercedes and uh, uh, Team LH, hashtag whatever, number 44 blessed. Um, three tenths faster than everybody else again in qualifying, and uh, it, for nothing else, Hamilton will likely go on to win this championship now. Um, but he's he he's one lap form since the summer break has just been unbelievable. Uh, it's just to think that you know the, the run that he's on at the moment and how how pedestrian he's made Bottas look since the summer break. It's just he's taken it to another level, surely, Greg and. Uh, winning the championship this year, he, he's going to have earned it, you know, even taking into account Sebastian Vettel's problems. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's been on fire. I think his form in general has been really, really good. Um, it, it would seem, going back to the last time we were talking about it, but I think Bartas is probably off form as well. But all credit to Hamilton. He's been really, really good. Um, and as far as the balance of powers concerned it was really interesting to hear what we heard from christian horner i'm sure you're going to talk about it um in terms of track temperature and how the form sort of changed from from uh Sepang to suzuka i wasn't expecting it to be honest so yeah. 
It just goes to show how tight it is still. Yeah. And Lewis, is Lewis Hamilton driving the best you've ever seen him drive? Yes. Um, I think, I think, give that a bit of thought, which is why there was a bit of a pause. And um, yeah, um, it's, it's why it's why when you, when it's you why think I, about it's it, why I asked the question because I, I think he's driving the best I've ever seen him drive. Yeah, he, obviously you go back to his championship year, his first championship anyway, and well, he's lucked he's lucked into that. No, nobody wanted to win the championship that year. Um, arguably his first year was better, um, and then you go to his other champ. Well, obviously the other McLaren years after that weren't so great, but then you go obviously to his couple of championships that he won in. Um, 14 and 15 and he was there was moments where he was untouchable but there was still like he made mistakes and was a little inconsistent while um certainly the second half of this year he's been well his qualifying's been insane and then his race pace and and his concentration has been better than it's ever been so he's at the top of his game at the moment and conversely uh, Valtteri Bottas how would you rate his performances in in recent history um, there's a, a half full Willy bin out front, and, um... <laughs> oh, I think I know where this is going. That's probably pretty comparable to how he's been driving. He's not... <laughs> he's not really, um... I think it's a bit harsh. Average is probably the way well, I'd describe it. <laughs> considering where he was at the start of the year, I, I know you guys will probably bring up maybe that car's not as easy to drive as what we think it is, but... At the start of the year, you know, he was up there and, you know, looking to beat the Ferraris and the, the Red Bulls. And he, you know, there's a few few rounds where he beat Hamilton legitimately. And since the summer break or mid-season, he's been just... It's like they've replaced him with a ghost or <laughs> garbage bag or something. I don't know. He's just not shown up. He's like a he's like a floating plastic bag in the wind. We've had Simus join the chat and say hello, hello Simus, welcome. Uh, so it, it is interesting because at the start of the season he was far more competitive. He obviously won in Russia and um, and he looked he looked very very strong. But since the summer break he's looked he's looked Kimi esque. Like it's it, it's actually a uh, a good competition now to say that perhaps Kimi's been closer to Seb since the summer break than what Bottas has been to Hamilton. Do you, where, how would you gauge that, Luz? I would even, I'd give even Kimi Räikkönen the edge. I, I, obviously, people will probably say because I am a Kimi, Kimi Räikkönen fan that you know there's being a little bit biased. But I think when I try and give it a proper thought, um, I, I, Bottas hasn't looked anywhere near Hamilton. While there's been times where Räikkönen's been right with Vettel. Yeah. All right. And how would you gauge that, Greg? Taking into account, of course, the Kimi whilst uh, whilst Bottas was is sort of three and a half tenths off Hamilton. Uh, in qualifying, Kimi himself was seven tenths off Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian's best lap in Q3. Um, but in terms of in terms of performances, how, how do you, if if you were talking about the championship between the two number twos, uh, it, it certainly seems like it's been a far closer competition since the summer break. Um, yeah, I suppose I haven't been paying too much attention to Bottas. He's been pretty anonymous, to be honest, but. That's so Kimi, in my view, and I'm only thinking back to Suzuka, but Bottas got on the podium, did he not? I think. Was it Bottas? I forget now. Pretty sure Bottas beat Kimi. Yes, he did, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, no, he didn't get on the podium, did he? It was the two Red Bull drivers. But anyway, he still beat him. Um, well, Ryan started at the back. 
Did he? Oh, yeah, but yeah, the last he time he done too. that at Suzuka, he won a race in oh, yeah, a so bit what's of going controversial on? A, a bit of a, a bit of a difference. Dane Carlo Fizzy Keller wasn't leading the race. <laughs> Mate, controversial circumstances. Oh, oh, well yeah, then I, I take back the 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 uh, the analysis from Suzuka. But uh, in any case, Kimmy's never fast enough when it counts, so I just put him in the same bucket really. I don't really compare them both compare them that closely, to be honest. Uh, they've both been re signed for one more year. Um I don't know if they're both... Right, Kimmy's if... got four more years, mate. <laughs> if they're lucky, they'll both get another one. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I must say that I've been I've been disappointed with with Bottas in the second part of the year. I mean, Kimmy's been doing exactly what I, I think we all expected him to do. Um, but Bottas showed a lot of potential at the start of the year, and for whatever reason, that car and the setup or whatever has just moved away from him as the, you know after the summer break. Um, I don't know. I, I don't believe too much in the psychology of these things that, you know, that he's, that he's, un, he's feeling psychologically under pressure or anything. I mean, he's, his downward turn has come after he signed his contract for renewal for next year. So yeah. you could argue that maybe it's hunger related thing, but I, I, I just, I think it, it really must come down to a, a change in the way they're setting up the car, a change in the way the car is using the tires. Um, and it's just it's just not working for him. He can't extract the, the lap time out of it that Hamilton can. And it's not over only over one lap. It's over an entire race distance. Like uh, yeah, yeah. So so. I mean, Ham- like w- I think we're all in agreement that Hamilton is probably in the best form of his career. Yeah, um, I think so. So, you know that that says something. But I mean, Rosberg usually ran him a lot closer than Bottas is right now. So. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is, but he needs to get on top of it. You know, ideally by the end of the season. Well, I want to move. I want to move off Ferrari and Mercedes. There is something I want to come back to with Ferrari later on. I want to pose a question to you guys, but we'll we'll have a look a little bit further down. Um, you know, during the um, during the lead up to the to qualifying, we saw Verstappen was pretty comfortably faster than Ricardo. Ricardo found finds a magic lap in Q3 again. Now <laughs> qualifies Max. Uh, so. But the performance between the two Red Bulls has been uh, interesting of late because the the last few races, Verstappen hasn't been having mechanical problems. And um, I won't say he's making Ricardo look a little bit pedestrian in those races, but Daniel looks like he's struggling for pace-wise a little bit. I mean, obviously, he's he lost time at both of... at Sepang and Suzuka behind Bottas because he lost positions off the start. But... It, are you starting to worry for Daniel Ricciardo, Greg, in terms of his battle with Max Verstappen? Um, I'm not massively worried because I think it's more or less a foregone conclusion that they're not in the championship. It's been clear for a long time. But, oh, sure. I mean, it is an ongoing battle, but, you know, there'll be ups and downs for both of them. Um, and I think Ricciardo's shown enough in the last few, you know, races that, you can still beat him every now and then, which is what happened in Suzuka. So it's just so close between the two of them, I think. But yeah, at times Max has looked a lot better, especially in the, uh, oh, I wouldn't say in, especially in the rain, but yeah, Max is, the, the scary thing about Max is that he's just getting started. So yeah, yep. yeah, we'll see what happens. And Luis, how have you seen the battle between, between Verstappen and Ricardo um, at Suzuka? Uh, and, and obviously, the, the, you know, they were both fighting for podium at Sepang as well. Well, obviously Greg sort of touched on this. It, it is starting, for me anyway, maybe for Ricardo, for Ricardo to look a little ominous at, at which way the team's sort of heading. Um, obviously Max has been 
had a lot of bad luck, and he's finally had a couple rounds where, you know, he's, you know, not had any bad luck, and you know, he's won a race and, um, you know, finished second on outright speed, and you know, Daniel's sort in both of them. He's not quite been there. Obviously, he did get held up in the initial stages of Malaysia and stuff, but. It's sort of been brewing on it. Like, obviously, Daniel's been out-qualified quite a bit for Max this year, which has sort of been ignored or just missed by people, obviously, with the staff and retiring everywhere. So, And we've also heard also um, that, you know, Ricardo isn't exactly um, secure at Red Bull. We've heard, and obviously, there's rumours about with, um, you know, saying that, you know, Red Bull are almost willing to let him go, so to speak, and they've almost given the keys to Verstappen. So I think the, the the last few rounds are going to be sort of key into how that team shapes going forward. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, thank, we'll, uh, we'll move on from that. Um, obviously, in qualifying, Kimi, disappointing, P6, down third row, out-qualified by both the Red Bulls. Uh, the Force Indias had a good qualifying performance at uh, at Suzuka with 7th and 8th. Uh, Ocon continuing to just press his case against Perez in terms of overall pace and the one-lap speed. Um, obviously, he was unlucky at uh, at Sepang where he got, he got his ears boxed a little bit. Um, and then we had the, you know, Felipe Massa snuck into the 10. It's been better for Williams in the last two races, hasn't it? Is, is it is it they're finally on top of their issues? Do you think, or is it just is it just track suitability has come back to them loose? Um, could be a bit of track, you know, obviously suiting their car a little bit better. But you could also say maybe other teams sort of had just off weekends, so to speak. Obviously, you need you do need a bit of power around Suzuka. I know people think, oh, we've just got a lot of corners, but like. A lot of those corners are high speed, so you do need power. And obviously, there's um, between Spoon and obviously 130R, there's a straight. And then even leading up the Spoon, coming out of the hairpin, you need power. Coming out of the Degnas, you need power. And the main straight, you need power. So, could say maybe that, that you know, the track suited their car. But then we did see Stroll. He wasn't exactly... He didn't exactly go as well as what he has been in the last few rounds. So, maybe it was just a... A good round for Massa, perhaps. Yeah, and Greg talking of power, because we know they got a lot of it, the McLarens, 10th and 11th. And a uh, bit of controversy there with Fernando getting into P10 and knocking knocking Van Dorn out, despite the fact that Fernando had, I think, from memory, memory a 1.2 million uh, place grid penalty. Um, so uh, it seems like McLaren missed a trick there, didn't they? Or did they play it perfectly, considering they gave Van Dorn free choice of tyres, even though he, he eventually started in the 10? Yeah, I... I think it's not that big a deal to be honest i think they would have been perfectly happy for a van Dorn to start p11 um they wouldn't have been able to go much further i don't think into the top 10 so i don't see any major issues in giving van Dorn that strategy option so um yeah it is a bit weird that alonso did qualify that you know to that all the way into the second qualifying session i know it is technically their home race inverted commas but it was a little weird, but at the same time, I don't think it was like didn't have any major implications. 
well, it worked out for Van Dorn on Sunday, so we'll, we'll yeah, that's get, right. We'll get to that shortly. But uh, Renault fell off the pace a little bit. The Suzuka, it's probably an indication of where their car is suffering. Uh, same with Haas, Toro also were nowhere with Pierre Gasly making his day with uh, sorry, not his debut, his second race. He debuted at Sepang, um, and he didn't even make it out of Q one. Uh, and then obviously the Sauber's buried at the back, uh, not not really going anywhere. So moving to Sunday, what we saw off the start was obviously a, a magnificent a magnificent jump from Verstappen, um, past a, uh, a slow starting Ricardo, and then obviously he passed Sebastian a couple of laps in, uh, with Sebastian's very slow car missing a spark plug, and uh, well it was a it was a pretty tight battle between Hamilton and Verstappen in the end, um, probably compromised by traffic in the back end of the race, Greg, if memory serves. Yeah, the traffic was a little bit ordinary. Um, uh, Felipe Massa in particular. Uh, Felipe, Felipe and Fernando. Yeah. Um, Fernando was the the one who ended up getting the reprimand, did he not? So it was a, it was a little bit, uh, yeah, just a little bit uh, questionable. But yeah, I mean, Hamilton, I think, probably did have him under control. Um, it would have been really difficult, I think, for Max to pull a pass on the... On Hamilton, it's not as easy to pass at Suzuka as it is at, at Sepang. Um, and I think Hamilton, at, at this point, the pressure's sort of coming off him a bit in terms of the uh, points gap to Seb. So I think he would have been a lot more a lot more keen to, to hold on for the win, you know. So I, I don't think anything was compromised too much, but it was a bit of poor form, to be honest, especially from a world champion. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought so too. And um, actually, just one thing I forgot before I moved, but I skipped straight over it in my notes, uh, is that Lewis Hamilton, uh, by taking pole at Suzuka, now holds at least one oh, yes. position at every track on the calendar. That's a uh, that's a pretty amazing kind of record, and uh, hats off to him for that because that's uh, oh, I don't even know if Michael ever held that record, did he? Probably not. Just off the well, hard to say, but probably not. No. Mm. So, yeah, hats off to him. In fact, the last one who probably did that, dare I say it, was probably uh, Anton Senna. Every chance. Every yeah. chance. If if anyone actually has done it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a... Uh, that'd be a good one to go back in history books and have a look. I haven't heard anyone ask that yet. Um, but we saw that the, the Red Bulls managed to get themselves second and third. Bottas, fourth. Uh, the the Red Bull's an interesting car at the moment, isn't it? Because in a race trim, it kind of looks like the best car out there. But it's difficult to say because the Ferrari hasn't been the Ferraris haven't been in a race really um, for the last three races. So it's really difficult to actually to actually work out ex- where it is Red Bull actually are. Is it is is it is Red Bull's performance being flattered by the fact that Red Ferrari's been out of the race for the last couple of races, or are they legitimately got got uh, got got claims to having the best race car on the grid now, Luce? It is a tough one. Um, I think, obviously, if you can't compare them to Ferrari, obviously, with their troubles that they've had, I think you obviously look at Mercedes, and they've been competitive with Mercedes, and obviously they've been the benchmark for, well, not only much of this year, but obviously, you know, the previous years, and Red Bull have been, especially in the last year, and it's right there with them. Um so I think it's safe to say that if they're not currently the second best car in the field, they're certainly um, I reckon two B the Ferrari. Like they 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 are right there. And I think obviously if they can get a bit of extra power next year and they can build on the car they have now for next year, 
you know, we could see, you know, the three, you know, Verstappen, Ricardo, Vettel, and Hamilton duking it out next year. Yeah. And if you look at the top five finishes from, from Suzuka, so you had Hamilton, Verstappen, Ricardo, Bottas, Raikkonen, uh, even Ocon and Perez, they, they've, they pretty much, the only thing that really had changed from qualifying um, was the fact that Verstappen managed to jump Ricardo and Vettel uh, wasn't in the race and Bottas lost position to both Red Bulls. So it was, there wasn't, for a track that has, that is usually pretty good for overtaking at Suzuka, it kind of seemed a little bit not overtaking. Uh, I don't know how to put that better. It was it's static. Yeah, it was it was very static, particularly at the front of the field. Um, and uh, which I find unusual is that. Do you think, Greg, that's a function of the cars that we've got this year that that they've got a bigger drag profile because they're wider, um, and that at at a track like Suzuka, particularly through the first sector, um, that it did actually show one of the weaknesses of the cars this year which is the inability to follow another car um, at close proximity. And we hadn't really seen that for a lot of the years, um, at least for the last few months. And we've got to mm. Suzuka, a very, very aero-sensitive track, particularly, like I said, the first sector. And yeah. um, we saw what, what was really a very static race. Um, personally, I don't, I don't think so. I think um, some of the races we've seen, um, I'm... I can't really remember. I can barely remember what happened in the last race. Never mind the last, you know, six years we've been at Suzuka. <laughs> but um, say races like 2011 and whatnot. I think a lot of the races at Suzuka have come down to tire strategy, and I think less less so the downforce and drag and whatnot of these cars. The actual lack of tire strategy that we have this year is probably what contributed to the stake race we saw. Like there wasn't really much going on in terms of undercutting or someone on really worn out tires fighting on you know someone else with brand new tires. So, I mean, hopefully next year if they do soften the compounds, we'll see less races like that because they they were one stop races, weren't they? It was yeah. another one stop race. So, I mean, it it I think you do need to add in at least another pit stop worth of tire wear in there to to see the kind of races that we want to see. But yeah, I mean, it could be it could be an element of the of the dirty air that aspect of it. But I don't know. It just didn't seem to. I don't think that was the main the main thing that caused the the pretty static race that we saw. Yep. And Luis, I wanted to ask you. We saw midway through the race that Jurio uh, uh, Perez was on the radio complaining to the team about Esteban Ocon being in front of him, even though he was a good half a minute behind Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> who was in P5 and uh, making noises about Ocon letting him pass, or at least being able to race him. Uh, has Sergio Perez got a very, very short memory, or is he just uh, is he just uh, like uh, testing how much rope he's got at Force India, Luis? With, with Sergio, I, I, I don't know. Um, I genuinely don't know. He's uh, He must be just testing the team and seeing if he can... You know, obviously, because he's in front of Ocon in the standings, maybe, you know, obviously he feels entitled, maybe, as he's seen when he's been at other teams, you know, maybe he just felt entitled that, okay, you know, I'm slightly faster, even though the next car down the road's 30 seconds and he's got no chance of catching. But, yeah, I think that's what, to me, I think it's sort of, yeah, he just comes off just a little bit entitled, thinking faster, and he deserves to be there when, obviously, you've got to pass 
Hey, mate. Yep. Do you have any opinion on that, Greg, <laughs> in terms of the battle for Force at Force India? I, I don't know. I think he was maybe just being, um, I don't know, uh, heavy-handed or hot, heavy, I don't know what the word is it, basically just a, uh, he's just being stubborn for the sake of being a stubborn racing driver. He's probably just trying to maintain the uh, the impression of being a, uh, a tough a tough racing driver, I guess, you know, trying to seem like he has that strong personality, I guess. But, yeah, I didn't understand the point of it at all. Maybe he didn't know the gap to Raikkonen up the road, maybe. Yeah. It, it seems unlikely, but, yeah, like Lewis said, it's probably, probably best to say he was testing the team to see... If, how much you could get out of him. It is pretty funny when you think back to to Montreal and his reaction to being uh, to being perhaps uh, asked the question as to whether he could let Esteban through and his reaction to that versus what we saw from him at Suzuka. It's, uh, oh, look, hypocrisy is a hallmark of, <clears throat> of all, the, all the racing drivers, I guess. You know, they've all got massive egos. They're all looking out for themselves. Um, That's he's true. just following through on that. <laughs> What we also saw was uh, was a good race for the Hasses. They got double points finish in 8th and ninth. which when you looked at uh, Grosjean in qualifying, you wouldn't have thought that was actually something that was going to happen um, after he buried it three wheels deep into the barrier uh, in the first sector. It was a good race. It was a good race for the Hasses, loose. But uh, how do you feel about their performance this year? Uh, in terms of, you know, they came onto the scene. They've got more points this year, I think, than they got last year. But for me, it doesn't feel like they've, progressed is it just me or is that true um i feel the the same way i I don't think they've gone forward that's for sure um obviously they might have more points but obviously there's been this year compared to the last couple years there's more been more mixed up rounds where they've been able to get bigger points hauls um but certainly for a lot of the year they've felt to me anyway or it seemed to be like they've been way off the pace compared to like last year, where they'd they'd be you know pushing decent spots in qualifying and looking all right, and then this year there's been races and qualifying sessions where they're struggling to even beat the Sauber's, which is not something we really saw of them last year. So yeah, they're in a interesting spot. It's it's similar to I guess how Stewart went. Back in '98, they had '97 where they had a couple of good results, and then in '98 they 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 sort of struggled a bit. So maybe it's just a similar thing. Yeah, and what about you, Greg? Opinion on Hass's season so far as they head into their home Grand Prix? I might add. It's been uh, it's been pretty disappointing, but um, it was a real turn of form, wasn't it, at Suzuka? Um, well, they struggled yeah. in qualifying, but turned it on in a race. So. Yeah, they did. So it's they've they've been a bit disappointing, I suppose. But and what do you make? Um, of, what do you make of the driver lineup with Magnussen and Grosjean in there? I don't know. It's it seems a bit average to be honest. But then at this stage, they are a bit of a average team, kind of building. It, it feels a lot like um, Red Bull's lineup when they first came into Formula One. Decent. Um, with uh, DC and Christian Clean and Vinton yeah, yeah, just like a you know, sort of a I, I sort of picture uh, Grosjean now as a bit of a journeyman driver. Um, not that I'm I'm sure he wouldn't want that title, but um, yeah. that's that's kind of what I think. And they've got their hothead kind of young driver. Not that Magnussen's probably that much younger than Grosjean, but he certainly hasn't been in the sport as long. So I I guess he's their kind of young gun. But yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it, it, it could be better, but then, you know, the car could be better as well. They're a team building, so, you know, they can have superstars from the get-go. Yep. All right, then. But they, but they could have drivers that could potentially be superstars, but they, from what I've heard recently, they don't want to take them. That's true. So Ferrari did put the pressure on him to run Charles Leclerc next year, and uh, apparently uh, Hass have declined. Oh, I thought you were going to say Robert Kubica. <laughs> no, no, Kubica. Hopefully Kubica is uh, is destined for Williams. Um, no, that'll be Paul DeResta. Ah, uh, Paul oh. DeResta. So, uh, so Felipe, <laughs> speaking of Williams, Felipe Massa scrubbed up the last point. He was in a battle with Fernando at the end. Would have been great to see Alo get a point. I still can't believe we've got to sit here and talk about Fernando Alonso maybe getting a point. Uh, Jolly and Palmer somehow managed to beat his teammate um, despite the fact that Hulkenberg uh, uh, was beating him pretty comfortably up until um, he uh, he DNF'd, and um, I think he was even ahead of him, even though he'd made an extra pit stop or something like that, which is, you know, just, just Palmer things, um, which we'll get to shortly because just Palmer things is not racing in, uh, in Austin. So um, Pierre Gasly will finish 13th. Stoffel Van Dorn dropped the 14th. Uh, Pascal Verline finished 15th and DNFs from Stroll, Hulkenberg, Ericsson, Carlos Sainz, and tragically for the championship, Sebastian Vettel. All right. So we will talk about the Renault Toro Rosso situation now because it was a it was a shock announcement on Saturday after qualifying that uh, Suzuka would actually be Jolly Palmer's last race for Renault and that Carlos Sainz will be in the car at... Uh, at uh, Austin in Texas. Um, and I think that that's, there must have been some backroom dealing going on uh, to to get signs into that car. And where, I'm just curious as to where the pressure was coming from. How did you read that situation, Lewis? And what do you think, what do you think it was in the end that pushed Palmer? Palmer seemed adamant he wanted to see out the season and then all of a sudden capitulated and parted like the Red Sea for Moses to get out of that car for Carlos um, in, in America. Um, not at, I honestly haven't read much about it, so I wouldn't really know all too much. But if I was to have a guess, I think Renault surely would have had to have had enough of his average performances. And then it's not so much that average performances as well, but his whole blase attitude towards his performances and, you know, obviously the, the blaming of being unlucky, which obviously doesn't help with the media. But I think his attitude obviously... Wouldn't have rubbed off well. Obviously, they've seen data. His team would have seen data and just gone, look, you're just not fast enough. And I think they've just gone, we've we've given you a decent shot. We've given you one in three quarter years and you've just not performed. And we've got this guy here who is, you know, from what we've seen, could be a potential champion and we've signed him. And uh, obviously, they, Renault put in a, they gave up a bit, obviously, dropping engines and, Swapping bits around that I think they just wanted just to see how he'd go in the car as soon as they could. And Greg, how did you read that situation? I'm not sure where the pressure came from. I mean, for all the, what we all we know is that, oh, you know, Jolien's standing his ground as he deserves to from the Sky people carrying on and on as they do. But yep. um, I don't know. I, I thought he didn't deserve a chance this year based on his uh, his performance last year. Maybe Malaysia was the straw that broke the camel's back. It did look almost sort of comedic, his performance in two, Sepang. Two, spin, two spins unassisted. 
Yeah, so... Uh, and then uh, just, uh, yeah, and then having his incident with Signs, which I think was actually Signs' fault. Um, so, I think that was with Palmer and Signs, wasn't it? Oh, I can't remember now. Uh, are you talking about the incident at Turn 1? Yes. Uh, signs' fault, is that what you're saying? I thought he just spun on his own. No, no, there was, there was one earlier than that where Signs, uh, signs cut down. I thought it was on Palmer, but maybe... It no, was I thought on... it was Ocon. Yeah, actually, you're right. It was Ocon. No, my mistake. Yep. That's yes. okay. Well, I'm due to. I was due to make one. It's been a long year. All right. So... <laughs> yeah, well, so is Palmer. And... Uh, no more mistakes for him, though. No, no more mistakes. Uh, two questions for you then, Luce. A, uh, do you think Carlos Sainz will um, will have any kind of result at Austin? Uh, do you think he'll be anywhere near Hulkenberg? And B, do you think that Jolly and Palmer will find a place on the grid next season? Uh, to your first question, I don't know if he'll beat Hulkenberg, but probably not. I think will he pressure him? I think he'll be really close to him. I, I think those two, like they have the potential to be like one of the best pairings on the grid. Um, and if 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 obviously Signs can push Hulkenberg to be a better driver, you're going to have Hulkenberg pushing Signs to be a better driver. That's only going to be good for Renault. So that'll be that'll be something really good to watch. As for getting a result, I think that's all car dependent and how their car will go. And obviously, we saw how they went at Suzuka and it wasn't all that flash. And Coda has some similar sections, so I'm not too sure how they'll go. As for seeing Palmer on the grid next year, um, maybe he's a third driver somewhere. Or if Sauber are really, really desperate for money, um, that, that'd be the only, only places I could see him landing on the grid. Right, and uh, what about you, Greg? Do you think that uh, you think Signs is a chance to put some pressure on uh, on Hulkenberg? Will he will he do a better job than Jolien would have? And what do you think? Do you think do you think Palmer warrants a seat on the grid next year with a Williams or or even a Sauber or, or someone like that? Well, with your original two questions, no and no. So Signs will take some time to get used to that car, and Palmer definitely does not deserve a place on the grid next year. So I don't expect to see him on the grid next year. But you never know. It seems like Williams have probably got plenty of other options at their disposal right now. Um, it seems that they might actually be interested in good drivers again, so we'll see see how that works out for them. Shock but uh, yeah, so if that's their modus operandi, I don't oh, expect I don't to see Palmer on their shortlist. So they're, we'll see. They're interested in Duresta now. Come on. Yeah, but he's not got money, has he? <laughs> so. But he's uh, British. I he's I know Williams. <laughs> Williams is. Williams, oh, I don't know. I won't say anything, but we'll see. Um, but I think I think it'll take it'll take more than like one race for for signs to be immediately on the pace. I think so. We'll we'll see. I mean, I guess it, I guess it's a different car, but the same engine. So at least there's that. But and uh, you know, he'll 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 come up to speed though fairly quick. How how long how far do you think we'll get into the telecast before Sky talk about how unlucky Jolien Palmer is to be off the grid? Uh, and I want it in minutes, please. Luce, you first. Well, they've got to get through, you know, how good Hamilton is and how the championship's over. That'll be about two minutes. And then maybe they'll gloss over Bottas and start. I reckon three and a half minutes. Greg, care to wager? Um, I'm expecting Palmer to replace Rosberg as the pundit at, uh, on the weekend, so that oh, should be no. really good. <laughs> for sure. So he can be, uh, he can replace Nico for sure Rosberg. Nico um, for sure Rosberg. 
Oh, I don't know. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll mention it plenty of times. I don't watch practice, so I won't be able to. I won't be able to see. But I'm sure we'll we'll hear all about it. Um, well, you know, be, maybe be maybe you can your... be maybe you can be there to hashtag ask Crofty about it. You know, maybe I can bail Crofty up in the car park and hashtag ask him why I can't have his job. <laughs> and I'll ask him with a bat. No, no, no. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. All right. So now that's there's... not how they do it in America. Are you saying I should get a gun? I'm, I didn't say anything. Right. Okay. All right. So there's the two big things I wanted to talk about uh, listed here. Um, and we are approximately 36 minutes in, so we've got a bit of time up our sleeve. The first one was looking at the championship this year and the way that the, the, points is, the points have worked out, which is, you know, Hamilton 306, Vettel 247. I mean, the gap's now 59 points. It's pretty insurmountable, really. Uh, unless Hamilton has some DNFs or significant failures. Bottas, 234. And then you got to ro- roll the Rolodex down to number five and see Kimi Raikkonen on 148. From Ferrari's perspective, have they shot themselves in the foot with their driver lineup uh, in that their second driver does not take points away from the number one driver's championship effort? Um, and do you think that if things are the same next year in terms of the the competitiveness uh, between the two, between the Mercedes and the Ferrari, or even the Ferrari and the Red Bull, whoever, is is Ferrari's strategy of not putting two really strong drivers in the car, as we would deem it, uh, is it is it gonna is it gonna hurt them? Not so much from a constructor's perspective, but from the the second car's ability to take points away on the weekends where their car actually warrants being a one-two or at least both on the podium and i'll start with you greg as the ferrari fan as and because you can share maybe a little bit of how how you've seen the season as a fan and whether you're frustrated by ferrari's driver signings um or 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 i might add or do you think it wouldn't have made a difference it doesn't really make a difference this this year this year wouldn't have made a difference there's no doubt um hamilton's got a bigger lead right now than rosberg had uh over him last year and hamilton won every race you know, to close out that year, and he still didn't do it. So I don't think, you know, with the gap as it is right now, that Raikkonen could make a difference. And, don't, and you know, to be fair, he needs to beat Lewis Hamilton, who's no slouch. So I don't think it would have changed anything. But, or but on, the Seb... weekends, on the weekends when the Ferrari car was strong, yeah, could, I mean, could he, he... Have, could he have done more to take points from Hamilton and Bottas? Um, plus, you know, potentially, I, I would talk about it in terms of constructors. I would be more frustrated than, than the single drive, like the driver's championship side of things. Um, there were, he had his weekends though. He did have his weekends where he was strong. Monaco comes to mind. Yep. So he has been better this year. And I think, I think more so than that, I think Sebastian was saying some stuff in the press just this week that, you know, he's really happy with Kimmy as his teammate and whatnot. So, I mean that. Not only do you need to think about your your drivers in terms of how fast they are and what they can do in that sense, but they if they work well together, that's that's got to be a plus. If if they make your lead driver happy, because there are that usually there is going to be your lead driver and your second driver, and if they if they make your superstar comfortable, you know then. That is something to take into consideration, I suppose. So I think, I think Kimmy is still. I mean, I, I've, I've said a lot of, I've, I've said a lot of nasty stuff about his performances and whatnot, but he's still probably the right man for Ferrari right now. 
Um, so I'll, I'll ask you the same question, Lucy, if you remember everything that I said to Greg. And I want to add one more thing just, 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 just to follow up to what Greg was saying uh, in regards to Raikkonen, uh, with Sebastian being comfortable with Kimi in the other car. What we saw at Red Bull a couple of seasons ago was them turf out Daniel Kvyat and put Verstappen in the car. Uh, a move that made Daniel Daniel Ricciardo a better driver, you would say, um, increased his performances because he had a far much more he had a far more competitive teammate. Is Sebastian Vettel good enough that that wouldn't make a difference regardless who was in the second car, or, or should Ferrari put a put a good driver in the car to be the carrot and the stick for Vettel to push himself harder as well? Um, well, on the previous question, I think this year Ferrari have obviously I, I reckon they've done the the right decision in. Obviously, having him in um, next year, I, I think honestly it has to be his last year. It has to be his last year. Um, but as for signing a, a better second driver or thinking about it, it, it comes down to obviously you don't want to unsettle a driver who's established. We saw in two thousand and seven how that how that went down. That cost McLaren a, well two championships, and there's no guarantees that it will you know, obviously spur Vettel on to be better. Um, it, you know, obviously, and you, and you don't want the personalities of each driver to sort of clash. So just, you know, say plugging, you know, taking Raikkonen out and putting, putting obviously, you know, someone like Fernando Alonso in the car, for example. I'm not, you know, that, that might not work. You've got to have the personalities. And in the end, you know, Formula 1 is a team. And if everybody's working together to be, you know, better, you know, whether it helps only the one driver and pedal out or it helps the team out in that they're not smashing into each other, you know, it can only, you know, be a good thing, I think. So you want them to be good, but both be good. But they've got the personalities have to work together. Like you can't have an, two incendiary drivers. Can I just add, <clears throat> based on, I, d I don't like to say that certain drivers don't like having strong teammates or whatnot, but I mean, history's sort of proven out just through Vettel's performances that when he's had a stronger teammate like Daniel Ricciardo, he hasn't really performed very well. I know that's just one year, but when you compare it to how he was with Mark, Mark Webber, when, when he was right on top of Mark Webber's performances, say 2011, um, 2013, that, that's when he seemed like he was at his strongest. He seemed unbeatable in those years when he was when he was comfortably on top of his teammate. So he might just be one of those drivers that, you know, it, it doesn't work like the way it has for Ricardo with Verstappen. So the, so, other, the other thing that occurs to me about that is, is the best argument for having a, having a maybe a, a secondary driver at arm's length, is the best argument for that actually Lewis Hamilton this year? Um, I, I, I guess, I mean, Hamilton, yeah, for some reason, Rosberg seemed to really get to him and, um, like we've all, we've all pretty much agreed on here that Hamilton appears to be driving the best he ever has and putting yeah. in career best performances. And it's at a time where he is, he's not being pressured by his teammate. I think, but on the, on the flip side, the, those last four races, um, last year, um, by Rosberg's own admission, like Hamilton was pretty much unbeatable. He worked really hard and he put in really, really strong performances. The Rosberg couldn't do anything about it. So um, it's 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 a tough one. The psychology of a racing driver is kind of complex. I don't envy the the people in those teams that have to manage it, like say a Nicky Lauder or something like that. So um, yeah, they're not easy decisions to make. Yeah. 
All right, then. The other one I wanted to bring up, and we did touch on this earlier, was the tyres uh, and how this year, obviously, the the compounds are a little bit, are probably a little bit harder than what than uh, than what is ideal, I guess, and a little bit harder than what probably Pirelli was expecting them to be. Obviously, they didn't really know what to expect going into this new era and a new con- and a new tyre construction. But have we missed the randomness that we saw last year with the with the initial introduction of the three compounds in uh, for the race? Um, the fact that most of the races have, have deviated back to a one-stop strategy. Uh, have we missed that that tire, the the tire randomness loose? And do you hope that they soften up the compounds for next year to, to spice it up a little bit more, or or are you happy seeing the races decided on the track and not in the pits? Um, well, I, I like it to be, uh, you know, you want to have some strategy involved. Um, so I'd like to see, like, personally for me, I think obviously the tyres this year have been too hard, but obviously when in the past probably have made tyres that have been a bit risky and have, you know, failed, obviously with these cars being so much faster throughout the corners, obviously they didn't want to take the risk and have, you know, a driver go off at 320 kilometres an hour at Baku and end up, you know, severely hurt. So I can understand why, obviously, they were harder this year. But, yeah, I'd like to see next year softer tyres. But I'd also, if they're going to persist with having harder tyres, they've I know a lot of people don't like it and teams sort of a bit iffy about it. But refuelling, I reckon that would be another thing to mix things up. And Greg, how do you feel about the tyre the tire situation here? And, 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 and on Luce's point about refuelling. I think getting rid of refueling was was the right thing to do, um, but it's basically what I said about the uh, the tire the tire strategies at Suzuka. I think we needed to see more tire strategy involved. Um, I think that's what gives us the good races, and keeps things. I, d- I don't think it should be as ridiculous as some races we've seen, where it's kind of they're just continually trying to undercut each other in two and three stop races. But um, yeah, I, I think that the tires need to degrade. A, little bit more they need to be a bit softer um so hopefully that's what pirelli do for next year all right well i think that uh i think that that just about uh that just about covers it i think we're i think we're golden and so we'll uh we'll do the rounds again for final thoughts and i'll start with you greg any final thoughts for this week um we'll see what happens i mean uh it's not an ideal time zone <laughs> First of all, you're going to end up very jet lagged. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch the race, but we'll. Uh, I'll give oh, them my best shot. I was hoping to text you live updates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like six in the morning, whatever it is. But yeah, um, no, it uh, it's the the kind of the championships lost a bit of the the sting that it had before. So, um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how we go. There is some there's some intrigue coming for this weekend with uh with signs going to Renault and whatnot, but uh. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that it uh, kind of had to. I mean, it's never. It's not over until it's over. But it's kind of, kind of a shame that it had to end so early. Yeah. Okay. And loose final thoughts from you. Um. Well, I just hope we get a four rounds. I think it's four rounds anyway. Um, of just some great races. Um, the championship is pretty much over, barring obviously some insane bad luck on Lewis Hamilton's part and some extreme fortune for Sebastian Vettel. But I'd just like to see some... I'd like to see a Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes, you know, battle it out in two or three of the races and 
just some. That'd be good. Some aggressive racing with no one going too far. It'd be just to have a nice finish to the year because it has been. I think from what we've had the last few years, it's been a much better year. So I just hope we get a good finish to it. Very good. All right, my final thoughts are that I'm not looking forward to my 15-hour flight tomorrow, um, but I am looking forward to actually getting to Texas and uh, and uh, uh, you know hitting the uh, hitting the track and and you know seeing what Coda is like. I haven't been there before, obviously, um, and uh, yeah, and doing some other st- doing some other stuff. Going to watch Luce's favorite basketball team play. Um, that will be uh, that'll be good. I'll have to send him some photos for that. And, uh, yeah, just, yeah. But uh, Formula One-wise, uh, I know that Robert Kubica tested during the week for Williams. I do hope that Williams decide, decide, decide to sign him. Uh, it's a good news story for Formula One. So, it's a Frank, you know, Claire, if you're listening, um, what you should do is you should definitely sign Robert Kubica because... The you got to do it for Webby. You got to do it for Webby, man. <laughs> they got you, 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 got they've his... got to channel their inner Sheila Wolf <laughs> and, yeah, and just do it. I thought you were going to say that Kibitza wasn't going to divide them. No. Okay. And they've got to make our dreams come true. Got to make Williams great again. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's uh, that's my final thought. Uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in. We actually did manage to keep the time tonight because we're about here 50 minutes. So uh, that, that's what happens when Matt's not here. So uh, that was a that was a that was a good effort, guys. And uh, thanks for your contribution. We'll be back. Uh, not next week because I'll be still in Texas and that will make for an awkward time zone, but back the week after to discuss uh, what we saw uh, in at Austin. And uh, hopefully we've still got an active championship, although with 59-point lead and only four races to go, Hamilton Hamilton really doesn't need to do... I almost went full Alonso there with Hamilton. Um, he, <laughs> he really doesn't have to do that much at this point to secure the, t- secure the title. And when he wins it, when he locks it in, uh, he'll deserve it. So good, good on him. Um, whilst whilst Sebastian's been having problems, Hamilton's been smashing it out of the park. So let's just hope, like Lou said, we get some good races. Thanks everybody who tuned in, and uh, we'll catch you. In, we'll catch you in a few weeks' time. <laughs>